Let me open with prayer and we'll get started. Lord, I thank You for today and the opportunity to be at Community Baptist Church of LaGrange and just present this material. Help us as we uh, think through it. Maybe be encouraged with one or two things, uh, good takeaways uh, to uh, strengthen us in our faith in the Scripture. May Your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first thing then is... um, Well, sometimes I show a video, but I'm not going to do that today. Uh, There are thousands of videos on YouTube by good, solid creationists who teach how science fits in the uh, the Bible and so forth. But um, let me tell you what one evolutionist says. Um, He says these words you see on the screen. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failure to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated just-so stories, because we have a prior commitment, a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary that we are forced by our a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation set of concepts that produce a material explanation no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. And here's the last line I want you to get. He says, moreover, uh, that materialism is an absolute for we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. That is an evolutionist admitting here at the end that well, he's admitted several things here that that the claims of scientists often are unsubstantiated. Secondly, that they have an a priori commitment to material causes. And the reason for that, he gives it away at the end because if we don't go this route, we've got to allow for the existence of God. Yep. And they don't want to do that because then they would have someone to answer to, right? <laughs> so my topic is... Um, let me see. Is all the evidence we have for the origin of the universe exists in the present? How do we in the present? How do we evaluate it? And so, this presentation of mine today is uh, on biblical creationism is a primer on some of the iconic arguments in the evolution creation debate and an explanation of the biblical material. So, I hope to do that. Uh, generally, you have this. Uh, here's a major problem in the evolution. Uh, uh, there are lots of major problems with evolution. One is the principle of uniformity. Uh, this is an interpretive grid for the evolutionists. They say, here's their slogan. You guys probably had it in 10th grade biology class or physical sciences. The present is the key to the past. And by claiming that past processes have been no different from those possible days, some scientists choose to believe that everything happened by gradual processes operating, operating slowly over long periods of time. For example, the Colorado River carved out the Grand Canyon slowly over 70 millions of years, they say. That is a way to look at the evidence through long periods of time, through this motto, this slogan, the present is the key to the past. But there's another principle out there that geologists such as John Morris, Steve Austin, uh, these are um, world-class geologists, and there are actually lots of others. They operate off the principle of catastrophe. It sees the same evidence, uh, 
but that rapid, highly energetic events operated over short periods of time and did much geologic work rapidly. In this view, the Grand Canyon was carved out quickly by huge volumes of water rushing rapidly over the ground. So there's two ways, and I'll get into this a little bit uh, here in, in a little while, a little more in detail. The problem here then is this. It's the way you view things, the way you interpret things, because your friends, co-workers and friends that you're mentioning you know, that you have talks with or questions, uh, most everybody's going to say, science has proven or science has shown. Well, science doesn't prove anything. Scientists are the one uh, that say things. The scientific evidence or data has to be interpreted. So you have two different glasses to put on through which to look. Two different sets of lenses. You... You look through the uniformitarian that it took long uh, periods of time, that's the way it's always been, or you look through the lenses that no catastrophes, such as the Genesis 7 and 8 flood, could cause canyons and so forth. And I'm going to show you a very great, well, Mount St. Helens is is really a laboratory for biblical uh, geology, uh, well, for geology to line up with uh, Scripture, but... There's also a smaller canyon in Georgia that uh, appeared in less than 100 years. So these are two main lines of evidence that it does not take long periods of time for this this stuff to happen. And so... Mount St. Helens, is that in Washington? Yeah, Washington State. That's what I thought. I've seen it yeah. and I've seen Grand Canyon. Okay. <laughs> Man, pretty cool. I've never yeah. been to either one of them. But I've read a lot of research on both of them, actually. But I still say God created everything. And I don't see how that could be, you know, how people can just see why I was raised in church. But, I mean, I still don't see it. How can you not believe God, you know? Yeah. Well, and these geologists uh, that operate, uh, these Christ, uh, creationist scientists, and there are lots of them around the world, uh, actually, uh, regardless of what people out of ignorance say to the contrary there are lots of creationist scientists around the world and those that deal with these big uh, study these lava flows volcanic explosions and these big trenches in the ground we call canyons what they say just to kind of let the cat out of the bag and just give it to you in a short quick quick explanation is these things happen uh, through catastrophic uh, things like the explosion of a volcano, eruption of a volcano, or uh, erosion that uh, by uh, massive uh, floods around the world that still happen all the time. You know, you look in the news, you see floods. These things create, you know, they wash roads out. They create small canyons, large ditches or small canyons. And what the creationist geologists then are saying is that this shows you how something as big as the Grand Canyon could have formed from the runoff water from Noah's flood, for instance. It's very possible. It's a workable hypothesis because we have a laboratory around the globe when smaller floods come and these ditches or small canyons are created. This is observable evidence. This is real science. Right. So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to think about. So, uh, evolution then... What is evolution? It is a religion, uh, I say, because it is a belief, a belief system about the past. It's essentially 
a belief about the history of the earth and the origin of life in which all things came into being solely through natural processes with no divine foot in the door, as the one guy called it. Uh, Evolution is a theory universally accepted, not because it can be proven by logically coherent evidence to be true, but because the only alternative, special creation, is clearly incredible to them. And even if there were no actual evidence in favor of the Darwinian theory, we would still be justified in preferring it over rival theories. This is the world's foremost uh, atheist here, Richard Dawkins. Uh, This is what he says. Even if there were no actual evidence, we would still be justified in preferring it over rival theories. Basically, he's talking about creationism. Again, these guys are, are... are uh, letting you in on their world that they don't want to have to answer to a creator. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So what is creationism? It is the idea that the scriptures clearly emphasize a recent direct fiat creation of the universe by an omnipotent omniscient God. Now, fiat, that's not that little car from the 70s. Y'all remember the fiat? That's what the Pope was delivered in, yeah. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. I had a friend who had a fiat. A little yellow. It was convertible. I, that car was like that long, you know, pretty small. <laughs> fiat really is a fancy word uh, that just means a special, uh, direct, God spoke it and it just appeared. Okay? Which is basically what you get from Scripture. He spoke and the world happened. Okay? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, origin science, how did things come about, can enable us to make educated guesses about origins. It uses the principles of causality, everything that has a beginning has a cause, and analogy. Uh, But the only way we can really be sure about the past is if we have a reliable eyewitness account. Biblical creationists believe that Genesis is an eyewitness account of the origin of the universe and living organisms. They also believe that there's good evidence for this claim, so they reject the claim that theirs is a blind faith. This is by Creationist Guy. R.E. is a title of a book titled uh, Refuting Evolution. He's written two volumes on that. That's good. Yeah, it's it's really good. And this particular book uh, was written uh, in the late 90s in response to the National Academy of Sciences sending out to all the science teachers in every public school in this country uh, a document telling them how to teach, be sure they teach evolution and teach it clearly in the public school system. So this guy wrote a book responding to all the, the points that they made from a scientific perspective. And then he wrote a larger, much larger volume two on it. Okay, what philosophy drives these two models of how things came about? Uh, scientists operate within a framework which informs how they draw conclusions. A naturalist interprets all evidence based on their belief in naturalism. That is, that there are no supernatural events or causes. Well, naturalism would um, cancel out miracles, right? Mm -hmm. Because everything has a natural cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a creationist, on the other hand, relies on a biblical foundation. Mm -hmm. Thus, science does not prove the age of the earth or the factuality of evolution. Science can only uncover evidence that each scientist then in turn has to interpret through one of these frameworks. Okay, either naturalism or supernaturalism, we might call it. Because that's what we find in the Bible, right? Yeah. We find supernatural, uh, you know, a God who's out there. Miracles are possible and and these types of things. All right. Um, 
Let me run on because uh, I want to get to some other things here. I think I'm just needing a good book to explain it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know me giving thirty or forty minutes here. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, really, this is the one talk. Well, see, my dad for a long time was able to explain this to people like really quickly. Okay. And so he was able to reach people. And I watched him do that, and it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I was like, I know he's right, and I know this is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've run across it so many times, and I'm like, I wish I had listened better, but I was so young ah, at okay. the time, it was very difficult for me to understand it. Okay. Right. So that's and, why I wanted this class. Yeah, and what I found, um, this is what the one talk that I do that, I have this unique problem. I just give them your phone number. <laughs> there is so much. Here, well, I can, I can give you some uh, websites. There's to some get young some, people that my son yeah. knows, and uh-huh. he has struggled with this. Okay. Too. And he's like, I know God's real, and I just know how to explain it to people. So he's right. had this true, and he has military friends. Okay. So I'm just, I'm not yeah. saying this off the top of my head. I'm right. just like frustrated. Well, what I was going to say, there's so much, the problem I have with this talk, there's so much material out there, actually good material, creation scientists that are doing research and publishing their articles and things, you can get these free on the internet, and um, there's so much out there, I have the problem of what what to use and not use, there's too much, uh, which is a good problem, but it is a problem. That's a new problem, though. Yeah. There wasn't all that much information a long time ago. That's right. Um... (laughs) So, uh, the evidence supports the biblical model. Um, when you see design in the cell or in the universe, right, the galaxy and the earth spinning on its axis at just the right degree, 23 and a half degrees, so that it's not too hot or too cold. And you see the design in the universe, you see it in the cell. And again, researchers have written on both of these major science uh, areas of science. You see that uh, you you must think that that design must have a designer, right? A watch has to have a watchmaker. Um, there's just too much complexity out there that is all in order that could not have came come about by a blind watchmaker or a blind designer. Okay, and also uh, fossils. We'll talk about. But they are buried in sediment, by and large, which the sediment can only be laid down by the powerful forces of water, i.e. a flood. In other words, these things couldn't happen over time. Look, this is a fossil. Uh, I'm sorry. This is a fossil of a fish that was fossilized while eating a smaller fish. He was having a fish sandwich. What I say? Well, listen. Obviously, this guy was buried. Uh, fossilized instantaneously. Okay? So what is my point? My point is that the, the, the fact that fossils exist show that something catastrophic happened, mm-hmm. i.e. The, the Genesis flood, Noah's flood. And what that in turn proves to us is that fossilization does not happen over long periods of time. We do not... Uh, that just is not how it works. Mm-hmm. Fossils are a testament to creationism. Things do not fossilize over large periods of long periods of time. How else can we know that? Here's how. When a fish dies in a pond, what happened? 
it floats to the bottom and scavengers eat its carcass. Or it simply decomposes, or both. It doesn't fossilize. I don't care if it lays lays there, <laughs> lies there 60 million years. Okay? That's not how fossilization occurs. And so the fact that fossils exist are a testament to creationism. And then all, that and other evidences of, this is supposed to be an image of Noah's Ark floating on the flood. Oh, water. I see it now. The things that happened uh, after the flood, which uh, if I get around to it, we'll talk about that a little bit. And also... Um, the design in the universe. Okay? These things can't just can't just put themselves into place, you know, by random chance processes. Okay. And also, um, you have in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 actually includes all five elements of what one major evolutionist, Herbert Spencer, a little over 100 years ago, referred to as the five ultimate scientific ideas. These are the ultimate ideas, he says. Time, force, action, space, and matter. Well, guess what? The first verse of the Bible accounts for all five. Time, in the beginning. Force, God. Action, He created. Space, the heavens. Matter, the earth. But in addition to that, the evolutionary scheme still cannot account for the origins of these elements. It leaves no room for the supernatural and it cannot account for human emotions or intellect, concepts such as love and beauty, and where do morality and ethics come from. Evolutionism cannot account for any of the major uh, issues in life. And uh, hello. And uh, so again, uh, uh, these are the five elements of matter, ultimate scientific ideas that an evolutionist came up with. And Genesis 1.1, they're all five found in the very first verse of the Bible. Okay? And uh, so... um, in Genesis, then, I actually uh, preached uh, through this chapter 1 uh, several weeks ago at my church, and it was really fun to go through all the days of creation. Uh, but I cannot, you know, I can't stop and I can't really even pause to do that for this short <laughs> talk because I wanted to get to some other evidence, biblical evidences or, or what do we learn from the Bible about creation. So, you do have day 1, you have light, uh, God created the universe and the light. God created the space, mass, time, universe and light. He did not create the sun, but the sun is not needed in God's presence uh, because the evolutionists have, have brought this to bear against creationism. They say, look at this crazy account in Genesis. How, does, how, how do you have light when He hasn't created the sun yet? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? God is light. God is like absolutely that's biblical but all the way at the other end of the Bible in Revelation as well the lamb the son of God is its light there's no need for the sun it actually says uh, John actually says in Revelation which is pretty cool uh, okay so here God separates the light uh, from the dark verse 3 and thus begins the rhythm of days and nights there was evening there was morning one day all right, day, uh, day two. Uh, 
the expanse or firmament in your English Bible text. That really seems to be the breathable atmosphere, what can be called the first heaven. Uh, this is the breathable atmosphere. Okay? And um, day three, vegetation. Uh, the waters were gathered into one place, so the dry land appeared. It seems that the continents were of one large mass at this point. This lines up with what we know about what is called uh, plate tectonics. Uh, underneath the, uh, the topsoil and even the subsoil and underneath the bodies of water on our uh, globe today are these massive uh, land plates. It's a, it's a scientific area called plate tectonics. And, um, and actually, uh, some creationists think, those that uh, work in the area called flood geology, that at the Genesis flood in chapter 7 when it says the fountains of the great deep were burst open underwater volcanoes and springs so forth, that that actually would have uh, split uh, some of the weak uh, fault lines, if you will, in the plates. And that and so the flood would actually have caused the continents, the, the land masses, to drift a little bit. So that's why you have them where they are today. Uh, it's a workable hypothesis, right? Okay, so... Um, Um, what else was I going to share here? Uh, day four, sun, moon, and stars. And um, what else did I want to say about the sun, moon, and stars? You know what? I don't... Um, hang on just a second. I've lost my place in my notes. Okay. This is the atmosphere, I'm sorry, the astrosphere. God had created the expanse, our breathable atmosphere separating waters up in the clouds uh, and from the waters below on the land gave us a breathable atmosphere. Then He creates the astrosphere, okay, sun, moon, and stars, the stellar heavens we might call it, whatever terminology you want to use. Um, and the really cool thing about this is... Uh, David in Psalm 8 says, he looks at the heavens and the bodies hanging in, out in space and he says, these are but the finger works of this great God of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is just finger work for him. So we're only seeing the fingers when we see space. We're just seeing what was, what was small, mm-hmm. just small work for God. It wasn't a problem for him. And our planet, if you remember the uh, slide I showed with the galaxy, our planet is simply a tiny speck in this vast universe, and then man is a tiny speck still. Yet, God chose to come to this planet as a man to offer us uh, love and a relationship and come to do what Christ did for us on the cross. Okay, and then you have day five, the marine life and birds. Uh, so God is filling the empty earth with living things at this time, animals, marine life, and humans. Everything's now in place to sustain, sustain life. Uh, light, water, chemicals, air, fruits, and plants. And um, then uh, day six is the uh, land animals and man. Okay, Land animals uh, would have included uh, dinosaurs, by the way. Okay, A lot of people want to know, what about the Bible and dinosaurs? So some guys have written booklets and so forth and research on dinosaurs 
Um, there's not a lot to talk about about dinosaurs because we only have so many fossils and skeletons of them. But the basic thing about it is two things, two or three things for dinosaurs. God created them on day six. They are land animals, except for the uh, the ones that swim in, swam in the seas. They would be on day five. But God created them. Number two... Uh, two of each kind of them got on board the ark. I have some really nice slides of Noah's ark here and I'll show you the feasibility of uh, two of each kind of animal fitting on this large barge uh, that he built. Um, the dimensions are given in, the, in, the, oh, yeah. in Genesis. This boat was massive. And uh, a third thing was when Noah got off of the ark, after a year of the planet being underwater, okay, things had changed. The atmosphere had changed. It had been really, um, the atmosphere had been pierced by the waters coming out of the sky and up from, from underneath and being covered for a whole year with water. The atmosphere and the environment had changed. So a lot of dinosaurs would have died off from that. But not only that, God told Noah, you are going to change from being vegetarian to being carnivorous, and the animals are going to start eating each other. Uh, that It just changed. Their, their, their diet changed after the flood. So what happened to the dinosaurs? They died off from the environmental problems and from uh, poaching by men. Did yes. the original men also die off because of the flood? Noah, God only took his people, correct? Yeah, the people. Yeah, the people would have been drowned. Yeah. Well, and most of the land animals. But I'm talking about well, after they. About yeah, after they came off the ark, the animals would would start breeding again. But dinosaurs probably wouldn't have lasted too That's awful right. long because of being eaten by each other, yeah. by men, change of environment, and diet and so forth. So. Yeah. Um, now, look, if you get on the internet, there's a lot of weird explanations. Oh, these asteroids. I saw a headline the other day. It was actually two asteroids that hit the planet and killed all the dinosaurs. Well, <laughs> great, but what, what, why didn't all the people get killed? You know, it yeah. just eh, makes no sense, really. Okay, and day seven, God rested. Yeah, I think right. might be tired. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let me... Oh, this is really cool. Um, in Job chapter 40, he talks about this creature called Leviathan. And some think this might be the uh, Mosasaur. Um, um, some think it's possible it was that particular dinosaur because that dinosaur did swim in the ocean. But So my point is, the Bible does mention two dinosaurs. I'm going to show them to you, Job 40 and Job 41. He says this, um, I'm sorry, chapter 40 is Behemoth. He is the land animal. Behold Behemoth, which I made as well as you. Uh, he eats grass like an ox. Behold now, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like a cedar. Okay, his bones are tubes of bronze. Okay, he's a big beast. Okay. Mm. And um, now some have said, some think this is describing the plesiosaur, I think is the name of this one. Mm. But some naysayers that are naturalists 
and don't believe in the supernatural, yeah, they'll say, uh, well, he's describing an elephant, but it, the text says he's, his tail is like a cedar. That's a tree. If y'all seen an elephant's tail, it's, that, that does not describe uh, this beast at all. And then in 41, you have this guy, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? Uh, no, you ain't going to draw that beast out with a fish hook, right? Um, can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Um, can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? He's got tough hide, whatever this animal is. Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. In other words, you tangle with this guy, you won't, you'll never You'll forget leave it alone. You yeah. might not live. Yeah. So, um, well, let me move on really in my slides because I want to get to... Okay, let me do this really quick. I dug up some misinformation in evolution. There's misinformation in evolution. Can you believe that? And it's in our science, our 10th grade biology book still. <laughs> Number one is uh, the links are missing. Let me go to... Uh, okay, I didn't put a slide up for that. Um, the links are missing. And... Uh, well, let me move on. I'm not going to talk about that one right now. Darwin's Tree of Life. And this is the drawing you see in the science books. Um, but since Darwin's drawings in 1859, in his uh, book titled The Origin of the Species, and the title is about three more lines longer, but I don't remember the full title of it, we've had a century, over a century of fossil discoveries. Fossils appear rather suddenly in the fossil record, right? The Cambrian Explosion. Darwin wrote that he did not view all living things as special creations, but as descendants from a few beings. That's why the tree is small down here, but bigger up here. And um, Darwin's famous illustration now has come to be called the tree of life. But what's the problem with it? The problem is that the evidence doesn't support it. Minor problem, right? Um uh, the fossil record is actually the invert, is inverted. Uh, phyla and classes are found right from the start. You know, uh, living animals are classified according to kingdom, genus, phyla, species, and so forth. Well, phyla and classes, different ones are found right from the start. They were not animals from a long history of divergent animals uh, from lower categories. Okay, Darwinian evolution calls for life uphill, but the evidence shows it downhill. So you see, uh, evolutionary worldview or philosophy about the origins of life is simply wrong. And then Haeckel's embryos. You guys know these uh, drawings? You had them in your science textbook. And um, yeah, in fact, we know now that the, the, um, the similarities in the early stages were faked, actually. Haeckel cherry picked his examples. Uh, one example is he used a salamander instead of a frog to represent amphibians, but frogs look very different. If you actually go back to the early stages, the embryos look far more different. What actually midpoint of the development? Now, um, I can tell you as well. Uh, Dr. Michael Richardson in 90, 1997 noticed the dates, y'all, exactly 150 years. What's really cool about the drawings below is. In 1997, we had the technological capability to take pictures and so forth, right, to x-ray, to see embryos actually in their development. And so here's what they actually look like. 
And this isn't exactly the similarities that they want you to think up here. So, problems, okay? Uh, the Archaeopteryx is the missing link, they say. But uh, this creature does not fill the gap between reptile and bird. It, it simply was a bird, which is very different from a reptile in its breeding system and its bone structure and its lungs and its distribution of weight in the muscles. It had fully formed flying wings, including uh, veins and ventral, uh, things that all the things that uh, modern birds have. Okay, it's not a missing link. It's not a link. It's not an intermediary. It is a flying creature. Okay? And then Java Man, Piltdown Man, Neanderthal Man, Lucy. The ones before the Ark. Oh. It might have been fossilized or whatever. Yeah. um, Is that what they're talking about, Java Man? No, well, the point here is in Nebraska Man, these were actually, a couple of these were shown to be a hoax. uh, But. In each case, the skull actually belonged to a human or either an ape, one or the other. What what the evolutionists that put forward these pictures of these skulls were trying to do was to show that, hey, here's an intermediary uh, creature. You know, as as, as the uh, orangutan was evolving oh. into the human. See, okay. that's what they were trying to get across. But these skulls either belong to one or the other. Again, there's no intermediary. Um, And so, uh, anyway, science strongly points toward uh, design. Okay, that's the bottom line. All right, I want to rush over um, now. Oh, the flood. We mentioned flooding earlier. Look at what flooding has done here. It's torn away the entire road system. This You can see this on the news on a monthly basis. And as bad as I hate to see the tragedy of flooding, I, in one sense, I, I look at these pictures and I say, man, this is what the power of rushing water does. And it reminds me of what the worldwide flood would have done. Okay, laid down fossils by and large, pushed up uh, the soft earth to make hills and mountains. Um, the receding waters could have cut the Grand Canyon very easily. Okay. And also they made, what are these again? Fossils. Are fossils made over long periods of time or a short period? Short period. Very good. You were listening, class. Fossils are laid down through catastrophic processes over a short period of time. Not over long periods. That is not how fossils are made. It just isn't. So science... Aligns supports what Scripture teaches, regardless of what public school science teacher taught you or in your first year biology. At um, I uh, live about 18 miles from Wingate University in uh, North Carolina, over towards Charlotte. Wingate University. I have uh, two kids uh, that one was in my church, another one was a good friend, and they started actually three. They started uh, Wingate this fall. Well, a few weeks before class started, I was studying this thing, and I wanted to see, well, I'm going over to Wingate. I walked into the library, and I said, do you have on reference the biology textbook that's going to be used this fall for Biology 101? They said, no, we don't keep those on file anymore. I said, well, where's the science lab? So they pointed me to the building. I went over there. I went upstairs. I found the professors. I found the microbiologist professor. 
And I said, are you teaching first year biology this year? She said, yeah. I said, can I see your... I told her who I was and what I was doing. And I said, I assume you're evolutionist. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. And she actually made me a copy of the whole first chapter of, oh, wow. of, of the biology book because I wanted to see what these evolutionary biology texts actually say. Sure enough, first paragraph, they assume that evolutionary processes are the truth of the matter. It's an assumption anymore. They don't even question it. But again, evolution, uh, well, I really didn't even go over uh, macro versus micro evolution. See, don't but question it. That's yeah, not good. that's right. But evolution cannot happen, has never been shown to be happen. But what they'll do is say something, well, now we know about this experiment with these little uh, goldfish or whatever. We know about this experiment with these birds, how, how they, we've changed them in the lab uh, over time. There are different sizes of this or that. But guess what? When they got done with the experiments with the fish or the birds, they were still fish or birds. That's adaptation. That is uh, change horizontally, this way. We don't have a problem with that as biblical creationists, but that doesn't give evidence that molecules turn into a totally different species. See, that's macroevolution, and that is what is totally bizarre and against science, but they still teach it. Uh, Polystrate fossils, this is a tree trunk buried in sediment, upright, and the problem with these are, uh, with evolution, when you find these are, this thing, if this thing was buried over uh, long periods of time, uh, it, it, it could not have been buried with that much of a tree trunk, right? Check on time. Um, man, I've got, what time are we supposed to be done? Um, about 10 till, I think. Okay, I need to move quickly. Let, give me three or four minutes and now I'll leave time for questions. Say again? I said, isn't that pretty? It's really pretty when you see it. Well, actually, <laughs> you think that's Grand Canyon. Oh, it's, no, it's one of the other canyons. Yeah, this is Providence Canyon in the state of Georgia. Yeah. It's Guess what? We have pictures red. and history that uh, this was uh, formed over a period of about 100 years. Mm-hmm. So again, another evidence that geological... Uh, um, Geological uh, things on our planet form over short periods of time under the right right circumstance, not over long periods of time. You can research this. It's a state park now. The canyon's so huge. Well, that's good. It's really cool. Mount St. Helens. I don't have time at all to deal with that. <laughs> Let me go to the biblical material because okay. I titled it. Uh, I have some evidence from astronomy here, cosmology. I have evidence from uh, uh, again. I have some more uh, chemistry. I talk more about geology. The flood. Oh, here's. Ooh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, these are uh, <laughs> um, drawings of Noah's Ark. Now, this is the actual. The text actually says this. Can you believe that? Yeah. yeah. It says it in the Bible, the yeah. size of it, uh, Noah's Ark. And here's a guy who's shown. And there were three tiers of 15 feet tall each. Mm-hmm. A young dinosaur of any height could easily fit in 15 feet. Okay? And uh, here's a guy, they're building a model, a uh, scale model of it. And here are the little nests or little rooms or stalls that they're going to build in there for the t- two kinds of every animal. Remember, it was two kinds yep. or maybe two species to use modern classification system. Not two of every animal on the planet. So for dogs, he would only have to take two coyotes on the ark 
because when they came off over time with genetic mutations, you'd have all the little, uh, you know, things that we have today, right. the little uh, Pomeranians and so forth. These things happen through mutations, and now they can happen in the scientific lab. But actually, when they do things like this in the lab, it only gives evidence of a designer because the scientist, him or herself, had to right. finagle uh, the things. Okay, so um, and so Noah's Ark, and but I want to get just give me another minute or two. I really want to get to um, the biblical. I do more on fossils here. I really like that talk. Uh, these are videos, clips I have. Providence Canyon. Dinosaurs and fossils again. Okay, the biblical material is basically this. So let me just do this. Genesis 1 uh, gives us, hey, here's what happened, right? Um, so, um, the biblical evidence. Well, I can find my notes again. Genesis 1 gives us uh, an account of what happened in history. You had the uh, use of the Hebrew word yom, the Hebrew word for day, evening and morning were one day. Now, other people who hold to theistic evolution or think that God used evolution or millions of years somehow, they use the word yom differently and they try to finagle it around to make it say something different. But listen, in the context, it says evening and morning were one day. That's the 24-hour cycle that we all have and still have today. Okay, uh, The nuances. Now, if uh, there are those that say, well, the day really meant a million years or millions of years. Well, then you have the sun's not created till day four. Vegetation's created the day before that. So you have vegetation growing on the planet for millions of years with no sunlight. That's not possible. Exodus 20 is really cool because in the Ten Commandments section, Exodus 20, God says, Six days shall you work and rest one day. How many days do our calendar have on it now? The biblical amount of seven, right? Seven day rows on your calendar still. And God was giving an illustration of six literal days that He took to create the universe. And He says, just so, your work week is going to be just like that. Six literal 24-hour days and your rest one day. Mark 10.6, Jesus Himself said, uh, He talks about the creation of male and female, and He says, from the beginning of creation, uh, okay, so uh, my point there is to show that Jesus obviously interpreted uh, the Genesis creation account as something literal and, uh, and that happened in the chronology of the Bible not millions of years ago. And then you have the chronology or the genealogies in the Bible. They line up to only somewhere, if you take them all into account and even account for gaps within some of the early ones, between six and 10,000 years old for the age of the earth and the universe. The flood and its results. The prophets had a lot to say. I need to be done. Uh, the prophets have a lot to say about God creating. He spoke and it was done. Psalm 33.6 That is this Latin word I used at the beginning. Fiat. Creation. Uh, he spoke it and it came into existence. 
Jesus, again, I already mentioned that, and the apostles had a lot to say about uh, creation. Okay, so it didn't take uh, the millions of years. And I had a few verses. A copy, or you know how to get up with a Hebrew calendar? I was really curious about that too. No, um, are you talking about for the um, like the planting seasons and all that? Kind oh no, I don't. And and like for the holidays, um, uh-huh. it, yeah, the feast. Uh, generally. Generally, um, a good study Bible will have those in there in the Old Testament somewhere. Yep. And also, why don't you, um, since you seem highly interested in this topic, but um, icr.org, do you know about this website? Okay, this is the Institute for Creation Research in California. This is a group. I was born in California. So well, this is a group of uh, this is a group of <laughs> that scientists. Surprise me any. <laughs> this is a group of scientists that publish their material based on biblical creation, and okay. they they publish in the journals. But a lot of their stuff is online, free for you to use and your son to use. ICR.org. 